Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got CrashPlan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. CrashPlan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So we all know I'm awkward. <laughs> right? This is an established thing that we're aware of. So I can't decide if I need to quit my gym. <laughs> oh no, what happened? <laughs> so I've been psyching myself out. I've been going very consistently on very specific days. And when I go, literally every single time I've gone, the same girl is there. Okay. Like and at the front desk or what? No, no, no. Like working, oh, working out. Okay. Well, so I'm working out and she usually gets there like five or 10 minutes after me and generally is working out in the same area. But we've never said hi to each other. We just see each other and tend to gravitate towards each other because everyone else in the gym is 60 plus <laughs> that time of day. Uh-huh. So I've been thinking for a week or two. I should introduce myself, but every time she comes in, she like puts on her headphones and she starts like running like immediately. Mm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, it'd be one thing if she was like casually strolling, I could be like, Hey, and say mm-hmm. something we're like on machines next to each other, but she's like intensely running. So I was like, okay, here's my plan. I'm going <laughs> to like write a note. Oh no. And then like, Give her a note, but make it seem like I wrote the note, like, because I happened to see her and, like, hand it to her, but I didn't want to, like, interrupt her. I don't Abby. know. It, Abby. It, it played <laughs> in my head. It played out differently in my head. So She, I mean, I don't know. It might be fine. I might never need to go back. I don't know. Like, she... <laughs> What'd she say? Well, I handed her. So first of all, I waited until she wasn't like sprinting because I didn't want Mm -hmm. her to fall. So she had slowed down and like I was done. I was getting ready to leave. So my whole goal was I'm getting like dump this and get out of here. I don't know how this is going to go. So I like go over to her. What did your note say? Let's back up. What did your note say? (laughs) Hey. Hi. My name is Abigail. I happen to see you at the gym all the time. I'm married and I own my own business. It's hard to make friends. I thought we could do coffee sometime and I gave her my phone number. <laughs> I'm glad you led with I'm married because she's probably I know. thinks I you want to date think her. I, was hitting on her. I didn't <laughs> want her to think I was hitting on her, especially by giving her my number. Like I was like, this could go sideways so fast. So I said friend and I said uh-huh. I was married in the note. Okay. 
But like, and then you folded up and sprayed your perfume on I it. I did and not. Kissed. I didn't <laughs> fold it up, but only because I had to carry it. But like, but I didn't like hand it to her. Fold it up. You pull it out of your bra. Stop. It's <laughs> not how this went. So I went over to her. She was like in a cool down, but I jump scared her. She like, oh was startled, oh. uh-huh. and she was like took off her headphone, and I was like. Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't want to interrupt, but wanted to introduce myself. I'm Abigail. I see you at the gym all the time. So now you're saying what your note said. Yeah. And then I just like set the note down. I was like, I didn't want to interrupt. Here's my number. Wink. Like, (laughs) have a great day. And she's like, oh, thanks. But like confused. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. So here's my read on that. First of all, fucking hilarious that you did that. (laughs) (laughs) I just find that so funny because I've been going to the same workout studio for over three months and have said maybe three sentences the entire time I've been there. I haven't talked to anybody. Yeah. I was told I have excellent posture from my instructor (laughs) last time I was there. So basically they're obsessed with me is what's happening. Oh, that's what's working out for you. If I were her though, and you did this, I would have been jump scared. And then I would have been awkward of being like, I don't know what to do now. But in my brain, I would have been like, oh, I should have said or acknowledged or read or like, cool down and talk to her. And so I bet next time you go, she'll say something to you. Yeah, because I'm gonna see her on Friday if I go. Yeah, you should go. (laughs) You should go. Yeah. If she full on avoids you, or if security comes up to you and says you cannot approach this woman again, then you can find a new gym. (laughs) I don't think that'll happen. I see one of three scenarios. I see one, she talks to me next time and like, it starts awkward and then it's fine. Yeah. Two, she's still there, but she now avoids me every time. She doesn't talk to you. Uh Uh-huh. Or I just stop seeing her at the same time because she She picks a new schedule. (laughs) I think it'll be the first one, honestly. I hope so. She's definitely a little younger than me, which makes me a little bit nervous, but whatever. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying, guys. I love that for you. I do. I and I want you overthought this for two full weeks, which is you'll have to keep us thing. updated next week when it either resolves or moves forward. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any other updates. I just got the congratulations text from my workout studio of like, congrats, you've taken more than 25 classes with us now. How are you feeling? I'm like, well, um, good fine. for being more consistent. It's funny though, the gym was full up in January and I'll tell you oh was it a ghost town now no one's there (laughs) yep 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 that's how it is I don't do the first workout of the day because there's a 6 a.m workout but there's a 7 a.m class and then an 8 a.m class I do the 7 a.m on Monday and the 8 a.m on Fridays and it's surprisingly small like the amount of people who cancel or just don't show up at the last minute I'm like oh wow because you get like fine, like penalized by not showing up. And so that's the thing that holds me accountable. I feel like if I went at a different time, it would be different. Like I would have yeah. been like at five o'clock and it's way busier, but. Oh, like in the afternoon. Yeah. Or but okay, I, I I was like in the morning. Work. No, I'm uh-huh. not that crowd. No. The problem with going at five is there's a mix of a ton of teenagers and oh, gross. all the after work crowd. So I'm <laughs> gross. like, 
I don't know if this mm-hmm. is for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if oh, I get went back to the classes, I know I'd yeah. see more women than are just like generally outgoing, but almost all of them are older than me. Or mm-hmm. are they all old? They are That's old. how my class is. I am the youngest person in every single one of my classes. Yeah. I'm like, I'm in my mid thirties, guys. Like, come mm-hmm. on. <laughs> well, especially the mm-hmm. Friday class, since it's 8 a.m., that's even later. Like most working people don't work out at 8 a.m. And I really can only fit that in on a Friday. And so when I'm there, it's like, it's even the older crowd than normal. Cause it's like the working, working people who do the 6 a.m. And then the slightly more flexible schedule people who do the 7 a.m. And then older people who do 8 a.m. and beyond. Whatever. We're just a good crowd. It's fine. I know. It's fine. I've always connected with old people. It's good. (laughs) Okay. I want to go into a new segment that we are introducing. So forgive our, it's not rolling off the tongue yet. We're figuring it out. Maybe we'll adjust. This segment has a name, but it's basically in our efforts to appease all of y'all's nosiness and update you on what's going on behind the scenes at Boss Project headquarters and some really cool projects that we've wrapped up recently. And it's really just to give you a little bit of an idea of what the heck we actually do behind the scenes over here and how we work with clients. And if something resonates for you, we would love to chat. Or if you can think of someone who would benefit from something that we're talking about, then we would definitely love if you sent them our way. Also want to use this as a place to, you know, we push out a lot of content. I don't know if you guys actually know that. We have two podcast episodes that drop a week that you probably know, but we also have two blog posts that drop every single week. And we are now hosting free workshops, free live workshops again. We call them our lunch break booty shakes. And so we have a lot going on over here. And so I just want to use this as like our bulletin board of announcements that's like in the common room of, you know. Yeah. Your dorm or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am super excited about this client project we recently wrapped. It was for a CPA firm out of Texas. And the cool thing is they approached us and they were at this really cool crux in their career where they had been doing different things for a long period of time and to jump into business for themselves rather than starting from complete scratch, they actually had recently purchased another CPA practice. So it was a husband-wife duo. The husband had been practicing as a CPA for many, many years in another business. And the wife was coming in more as like the operations and sort of the creative marketing side of things. But they had purchased this CPA firm. It was already doing over a million dollars in revenue a year. And they were having a really specific issue. You know, as part of purchasing the business, they received rights to the existing website, but the website wasn't doing anything for them. It appeared rather dated. It didn't include a lot of information and it definitely didn't have anything about them or their personality or their take. And part of them purchasing the company was they wanted to add more strategy to the clients that they were working with, not just a cut and dry service that had previously been offered. And so we came in with the challenge of not only updating them and bringing the practice up to the 21st century, because the previous site 
was definitely on a dated platform, but also the actual operations of the business were done really old school, which there's nothing wrong with that, but they had a desire to have a more digital first appearance, but they needed to appeal to a generation of boomer clients who had been used to doing business a certain way. And so they wanted to come across super established, confident, and ready to take on the business that was already there, while also appealing to this new digital first millennial business owner. And it was such a fun project. We got to do everything from start to finish, the full brand design, fonts, colors, wireframing and mapping out their website, all the copywriting, all the design and development, and taking it all the way through to really make sure that the site was focused on building more organic leads because while they weren't necessarily in a growth phase yet, they wanted to set themselves up for success. So as soon as the operations were cleaned up behind the scenes, they were ready to put gas on that pedal. And I think the site turned out freaking amazing and I'm really excited for them. So if you happen to be in the financial industry and you're like, Ugh, what is design? How do I come across professional? And we worked with quite a few people in the financial industry and really enjoy making what can be a dry subject feel really appealing to prospects. And we're definitely booking more websites this year. So feel free to reach out. would love to schedule a call with you. You can head to bossproject.com slash waitlist to book a time with me, or you can go to bossproject.com and click our website tab under services to hear a little bit more about what it's like to work with us in that regard. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive into today's episode because I am passionate about this topic and I feel like I'm going to get a little yelly today in a good way because I care about you all. (laughs) Yeah, and it's funny. We were talking about what this would turn into And we kept saying it was the one thing, but it's the one thing that affects three things that affects everything. So it's like, is it? It's like the core thing that so many things are connected to, but you don't realize it's connected to. But if you don't pay attention to the core thing, then the other things aren't going to be set right. It's all of it. It's the domino, the first domino in line that you need to pay attention to. By the time you're listening to this, we'll have come up with a better title. But in the meantime, I mean, we'll see. (laughs) We're going to dive into what you need to get right in your service-based business. And this is the one thing that really has a dramatic effect across the board and can really make or break your business in a huge way. Because the people who are getting this wrong tend to be the people who are on the road to burnout. They are consistently overworked and underpaid. They feel like everything is simultaneously working against them Mm -hmm. and that all the systems are broken and they're They're consistently not reaching their financial goals and not understanding why, because they're also so freaking busy all the time. And they wonder what it would look like. Like, how is it possible to Mm -hmm. work on other things besides client work? Because client work is the only thing that they know is supposed to be the thing that's making them money. And yet they're, confused by where all the other time is going. Yep. So I'm going to say a bunch of buzzwords for a second, but it's basically going to be all of the things that we're going to try to touch on today. And they're all the things that are interconnected and they're like little atoms bouncing off of each other. They are all together in one space and you cannot have one that doesn't impact the other. So all of what this comes down to are really two things, but these two things like have a major impact on everything else. Today, we're going to be really addressing 
capacity and your price, your capacity in a lot of areas. I'm not just talking about like how many clients can you handle at any given time? That is the very surface level conversation of capacity. I want you to know that and you do need to know that. But I think the conversation that isn't being had is truly the art and skill of actually mastering your capacity and understanding it in such an in-depth, intimate way so that you understand how if your goals change, your capacity is impacted. If you hire, your capacity is impacted. If you want to make more money, your capacity will be impacted. If you raise or lower your prices or add more to your scope or deliverables or throw in a new offer, all of it will be affected and like consequences will happen because of those decisions. And I think we like to just sit here and think of everything kind of existing in a silo of I'm just going to pick a price. I'm just going to pick some items in the scope. I'm just going to pick when it feels like I've reached my capacity of clients. And then what happens is we wake up and we're running a business where we're not exactly sure what needs to happen in order for us to actually reach our goals. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million unique monthly visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. 
I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah. So when you know and understand your capacity, you can do things more intentionally. So there is a limit, you know, if we're talking about client capacity specific, there is a limit to what is not only a comfortable number, but a number that is an alignment for a CEO, for someone who's running and owning the business. That number, the comfort level and like even ethical number, I would say, is different for a team member who has different roles and responsibilities in that regard. They may have a higher capacity for clients than the owner. Well, no, they may. They will. They do. (laughs) Assuming you have similar total number of working hours. It changes, obviously, if if someone's super part-time, et cetera. But when you become aware of those things, you can start to see how these things interplay. Like, imagine running your business like a math equation. Okay, this is not going to appeal to the masses. Hold on. (laughs) You know, it is technically math at the end of the day. But, you know, if we're talking cause and effect here, if you raise or lower your capacity, it adjusts all these other things. And one of the things I think people don't realize is they aren't aware of what they can handle or what is reasonable for them. And so they get to the point that they're either at capacity or more than likely over capacity from a time perspective. And they know they want to grow more revenue because they're consistently feeling like they're not getting paid enough. And so they're like, well, the only solution to this is getting more clients. And that's not always the case. Like, It could be we've had, and I think it's going to be best helpful to talk about specific client examples here. Bonnie's a good example of someone who it mostly came down to price point. She was over capacity because she was offering at a price point that required her to have twice as many clients as she could technically handle from a time perspective. And she was making it work, but it also meant that she was sacrificing in other areas of her life and business as a result. And she did what we call right-sizing, where you get in alignment with what your real capacity is, what your right price is based on your financial goals and needs. And she had realignment conversations with six existing clients. And for some of those clients, it was a small shift. For other clients, it was doubling or even tripling their price point because they were a legacy client who had been there a long time. But with those six clients, she was able to renegotiate 100% of them They all stayed and she grew her revenue by $60,000 in a matter of six weeks with working with us. Yeah. 
So I want to paint you like two versions of that same scenario of what she would have done without our guidance and what you guys might have done or are down the path to do versus what she did do, right? Okay, so she came to us. She's in the marketing space. She has one full-time employee. She came to us saying, I need you to teach me how to hire because I need to grow my team because in order for me to make more money, I need to land more clients, but I'm at capacity. She did know that. I cannot take on any more clients and my one team member is about at capacity. Well, so the obvious answer is in order to take on more clients, I need to hire more people so that they can do the client work. And then therefore I will grow my revenue, right? So that's where her brain was. Okay. If she had just done that, what she, and this is the crux of what I'm talking about today, what she wasn't looking out for, which is why we were there, is that, okay, let's pretend that that's what we're going to do. We're going to not adjust your prices. We're going to not have realignment conversations. We're just going to hire. So she was spending a certain percentage of her time, probably already too much on client deliverables as the founder of the company. Well, as soon as you go to hire, You're spending time writing job descriptions, interviewing, giving test projects, onboarding, and training. Let's imagine she knew she needed to hire two to three new people. So now she's going from a team of one, herself and one person, to a team of five people. Her job would have changed so drastically at the end of two to three hires, now having a team of three to four people underneath her plus herself. Whatever her capacity that she was already at over with clients prior to hiring would have dwindled down to next to 0%, probably 0 to 10% in 90 days, like within 90 days of while trying to onboard those people. So while she was hiring to increase her capacity, her capacity was dwindling. And so within the first 90 days, and only if she would have been very lucky by having really talented people who could get onboarded really quickly and deliver client results really quickly, maybe within three months, she could have started to see that capacity increase because her team was taking it over for her. And that is only if everything worked out perfectly. They all stayed on her team and didn't decide to leave at 90 days. They all seamlessly integrated into her project management and her selling process and her client deliverables. And she could just focus on landing more clients and then giving them to her team to deliver. But that is still such an unrealistic situation and timeline that she would have come to us three, four, six months later, probably in debt, because she wouldn't have been able to increase the revenue by as much as what it needed to have been to justify that team, and not realizing that her capacity was going to go down to 10% or less. So she would have been working probably nights and weekends to make up for what her team wasn't delivering, and it would have been a shit show. And instead, she said, oh, you actually showed me that I didn't need to hire right away. And she instead saw a huge bump in revenue, was able to have space to have her team member to take mat leave, took a vacation herself, multiple, and instead decided to take an entire year to get adjusted to a more premium price point to saying no to less than ideal clients, to speeding up her client processes to make sure the onboarding and the scope delivery was seamless, and then is now just starting to work with us on what it's going to take to hire. 
Yeah, because from a technical standpoint, after about 90 days, we did say to her, and I very Mm -hmm. explicitly remember about this time last year, we were like, you could technically now look at hiring. Like you have the right things in place that if you wanted to add a team member, you could. I wouldn't hire three, but I would hire one. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know what? I'm feeling pretty comfortable. Yeah, I, I'm making more money. I'm more yeah. profitable because before she was having, you know, the typical cash flow crunch issue when you're like at capacity, but you know, you need more help and you don't have enough help. And like, but do you hire before you're ready and all that? It's like stressful. Yeah. So stressful. And she coasted for a long time. And like just now is to the point, oh yeah, let's do this. And so we've helped her mitigate some of the growth. And I'm excited to talk about it more because we've helped her now use and leverage contractors as a temporary solution. And she was able to add six new clients to her capacity limit in under 30 days in in this last month. And that was because she was now ready to actually leverage support and grow her team. And that will absolutely turn into some full-time positions but she needed temporary support so that she could bring on the clients to make the financial things make sense before she adds in a full-time income, which is expensive. It's expensive to support full-time team members. It's a luxury and it's something you have to really plan for. But that's not true for every single client we work with. Like Some clients, it isn't as much price dependent. Like We have other clients we've worked with Ash is a good example where she came in and she already had like a shocking capacity. Like she was not the average photographer. You know, most photographers we work with comfortably work with 20 to 30 clients a year. She was working with 140 to 200 clients a year, which is crazy. And I'm not saying that it's not doable. It absolutely is. But she was in a different point in her business. And her price was not necessarily the issue. The issue was that at that volume, she was allowing too much customization of the service she was providing. And it needed to be more focused on systemizing the deliverables in a way that really made the delivery a machine. Because again, we're having the conversation about capacity. If she was in an industry where she, not that photography isn't this industry, but specifically how she works with clients, her price honestly is right on the money, taking into account competition. So she was already priced pretty great. She could increase it a little bit, but like she was going to price herself out for a lot of clients. So she had already decided that she was in the quantity game, right? If you're looking at Regular photographers have an average of 20 clients a year, and she's at 150 to 200 clients. She's in the quantity game. Well, if you decide to be in the quantity game, then what you have to take into account is that your capacity in the sales process, in the nurturing process, in the onboarding process, in the delivery, in offboarding, and everything that comes after, right, of a prospect finding out who you are, has to be so streamlined and so seamless, and so hands-off, so that you can actually have the capacity to serve that many people. But what she was struggling is she was taking a high-end, premium, high-touch, one-on-one, intimate experience, and giving it to the quantity masses of her clients who weren't 
paying the price point to match the service that she was delivering. And so we had to do some cleaning up behind the scenes of if you're going to stay in the quantity game, and if you're wanting to reach these financial goals, then this is how that quantity needs to scale. Then you absolutely have to adjust the capacity that's being sacrificed over here. Yeah. And all of those things can be adjusted, but it's definitely a case by case basis. And these things shift and change based on who you are, what industry you in. Ours has changed. What is your lifestyle? Mm -hmm. And you're not committing to these things for life. You're committing to these things for the season you're in. Yep. For your goals, for how you want to run your business right now. And so like the thing that I get really frustrated about is when people start to approach this as such a black and white thing of like, you know, sure, they can do the basic math of, okay, I want to make 200,000 this year. Right. If I charge this, then I need X number of clients. Right. Okay. Is it reasonable based on your life, how much time you have, based on how long it takes for you to deliver the thing? based on how many leads you're actually getting, the size of your existing audience, how many people are reaching out to you already, what is your average like booking rate right now? Like is that even possible? And I think while someone may conceptually understand how those things are intertwined, they don't necessarily know how to work backwards to look at all of those factors simultaneously. And like, that's our specialty. Like that's like literally our job. (laughs) (laughs) I want to pick it apart with you and Mm -hmm. make it like, yes, it's an art, but it's also a science. And so like, it absolutely has very tangible changes that you can make. And sometimes we're like, okay, if you want to run it this way, then like you have to get the efficiency of delivery down. Yep. But what I love, and only because like this is how I like pricing and showing up. We had a conversation with another client actually today. So we worked with Joni. She's a coach for product managers and we're helping restructure, making sure her price was right, the scope was right, the deliverables, all of the things. And what was really cool with her is she was priced pretty well. Like there was just a little bit of an increase that we suggested. But what was cool is that based off a price increase suggestion, she was able to then show up by easily providing an additional touchpoint call, easily providing, making this guide or this report to send to managers, easily adding something at this stage of the process that, yes, is going to take her time. And yes, is going to make her capacity need to be a little bit higher for those type of clients. But all of a sudden it comes to, oh, well, I'm getting paid for my time. How can I make this experience even more valuable and provide even more or better results for my clients? If I'm charging appropriately, I don't feel as defensive for adding in extra time or extra touch points or whatever. And it was really cool to see her be like, oh, I have the room to add those things now. Yeah. And she felt really in alignment with the pricing changes we were suggesting. Now, I'll be honest, it was almost double. But you know, I say small price point whenever if it's not more than double, then it's small because I think everyone could double their prices. (laughs) If you're not saying quadruple your price, it's small. (laughs) Oh my goodness! Well, so she did make a significant increase in price, but you know, we're still in a decision making zone. Like, so there's zones. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe that's why I feel like it was small because it's in the same decision making. If you go from like 
two to five thousand, it's less of a psychological jump than going from five to ten thousand. Even though we're talking similar percentage changes, like it's in a different capacity. So psychologically speaking, she was still in the same bracket, even if financially she was bringing in more per client. But the cool part with her is like, we were really talking minor tweaks to get her to where she wanted to go. Like, you know, some of our clients, you know, they're in the quantity game. And so the needs are just really different. I would say the vast majority they can reduce the total number of clients they're working with in an average year. For her, I was like, if you work with the exact same number, you're definitely going to hit that base level that you want to hit in terms of finances. But to get to your like, ooh, like hell yeah level, best level goal for the next 12 months, she only needed to go from three organic leads a month to five organic leads a month, which I mean, doable. So doable. So doable. (laughs) I'm like, uh, this is not that crazy of an increase. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even in the time we were working with her, she was like updating us on a Monday. Well, I got five new leads over the weekend. And we're like, what? (laughs) Okay, (laughs) ma'am. And so, and then we talked about really tangible things she could change behind the scenes because she had some fall off where her leads were coming in, but they weren't necessarily booking the discovery call. And so we had a very specific tweak they could make to really catapult that to the next level. And It's just so funny to me how it can be such simple changes. And when you're so close to it, it can be so hard to see the options. Oh, yeah. I mean, I want to hire someone to do our job for our business. Like that's, it's not that you can't, and it's not that your brain isn't smart or thinking of these things. Quite literally, the clients we work with, I'm like, oh my God, you are so fucking smart. And you still hired us to like do this part of the puzzle for you because it takes an unbiased opinion, a third yes. party, a different I think set of eyes. The unbiased part, really. Yes. Yes. Like, sometimes it's confirmation of things you were already imagining. Oftentimes it's a new perspective and getting you to think about things in a new way or a different way, or really respecting the lifestyle you want. I would say that happens more often than not of like, well, we're sticklers for that. So yeah, people will be like, I want to grow. And I was literally on a discovery call today. And I was like telling her about how I talk people out of scaling their businesses all the time. And I was like, what am I doing? Uh-huh. But truly, <laughs> we were on a podcast interview. I was just going to bring that We were on a podcast interview and we're like, she asked us, how many people do you talk out of completely running their own business? And we're like, mm, about a third. Uh-huh. Honestly, about a third. It's about fine. a third. But I would say another third, easily, easily, we talk out of scaling in the way they had originally imagined. Yep. Not yep. that they're not going to mm-hmm. make more money. Right. Don't get me wrong. There's a difference. But but because just- the capacity of conversation is not the one that's had when you right. want to decide to scale. <laughs> So at the end of the day, I would really say only about a third or maybe even less, maybe 20%, 15% of our clients actually truly want to scale. And by scale, I mean, not just grow revenue, but grow capacity, grow team members. Yeah. Like the size of their company. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to be respectful of what kind of life you want. And I want to be mindful 
of, you know, some of the people come in saying, I really want to work part-time. Almost all of them don't, which is mm-hmm. surprising. That is a yes. surprise to me. Yeah, um, what's the biggest lie our audience has ever told us? That they want to cut back their hours. Yeah. Most of them actually, if they can enjoy their job more, they don't mind the number of hours they're working. But I will say, some of them will say, I want this kind of business. And I'm like, are you sure? Yeah. Do you really? Is that Do how you really want though? To pull up? Because we talk through like, what does it take at different levels? And you have to show up as a completely different human with different skills. And you have to be willing to learn and grow as a leader and grow as a manager. And it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> well, I feel like we could have the what does capacity affect in your business conversation all day long because it truly, truly affects literally everything and understanding how your capacity shifts as your team grows, as your price point changes, as your offer changes, as the amount of people in your audience who are ready for your offer changes, as the market changes and buying behaviors change. All of that is affected by and also affects capacity. And then that ultimately determines your pricing and where you really need to fall within what you're actually delivering and how long it takes you. If you want help figuring out what that clusterfuck in your own business looks like and get a sounding board for figuring it out, we would love to be those people. We love to provide an unbiased opinion that's firm (laughs) and in alignment with your boundaries and a life first business. So go steal some time from Abigail's calendar. Like quite literally, you could chat with her like this week if you wanted to by heading to bossproject.com slash waitlist. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.